I'm Ben Silverio. And I'm Ansel Birch. And it's time, time to party. We are not doctors. We don't give medical advice. Please drink responsibly. This episode was recorded on January 15th, 2024. I don't know why we keep going back to that song. The final countdown? The final countdown. It's not the final countdown. It's, it's, not, uh, uh, it's New Year, New Us. <laughs> <laughs> is it because of Tom Cruise? Is it? Is it because of Tom Cruise? <laughs> I don't know. Tom Cruise dictates so many parts of our lives. Um, he wishes. <laughs> <laughs> Just like that time he really wanted to be a samurai. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Party people, welcome back Buddy. to the podcast. Thank you for joining us for our uh, third week of Edge of Tomorrow. The, uh, you know, awesome 2014 uh, sci-fi time travel flick starring Tom Cruise and uh, Emily Blunt uh, in in excellent roles, really. Truly, truly. Yeah, Tom Cruise is a good is a great um, dam, damsel in distress. <laughs> Truly, yes. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Well, um, if you have no idea what we're talking about, um, then why didn't you listen to the episodes before this? <laughs> hey, you probably should done that. I appreciate that. you. We yeah. still appreciate you, but I'm just I'm just yeah. asking. Maybe they just found us. Maybe they're new. Hey, hey, I new mean, person. whether welcome. this is welcome to the show, whether this is your first party or you're a veteran of the party, we welcome you. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and that's, that's why uh, when we get things started, you know, if you, you don't know what we're talking about, we got something for you because our good friends at Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> here's, a, here's a little moose bouche from Rotten yeah. Tomatoes. It, it's, it's a little uh, a little party favor, if you will. Yes. <laughs> and here is how Rotten Tomatoes describes the movie. Uh, when Earth falls under attack from invincible aliens, no military unit in the world is able to beat them. Major William Cage, an officer who has never seen combat, is assigned a suicide mission. Killed within moments, Cage finds himself thrown into a time loop in which he relives the same brutal fight and his death over and over and over again. However, Cage's fighting skills improve with each encore, bringing him and Conrad, that's uh, Emily Blunt, uh, ever closer to defeating the aliens. What an in-depth description of this movie. <laughs> that was, yeah, very, very specific. I gotta say, I'm continually impressed by Rotten Tomatoes' uh, specificity in that regard. It's true. You know, there are a lot of things to, to dunk on, uh... Rotten Tomatoes for, but you know, they're very thorough in their plot descriptions. They, they got that going for them. <laughs> Everybody's got something, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's a weird thing to be good at when what you were shooting for was something else. But sure, hey, you 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 win some. You win some. <laughs> you win some. And you know, uh, before we get into our edutainment, I do think it's it's interesting that that this movie came into our lives again when it did you know with some of the the messages 
that this movie has to deliver and you know the 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 good time you know these are all things that we talked about in the last episode so if you haven't listened we highly recommend going back and checking that stuff out but you know as as i said in the beginning new year new us because we whether we like it or not have to keep starting over again Yep. Just like Tom Cruise. We got something in common with Tom Cruise. Oh, take hey. take that to the bank. There you yeah. go. What a what a positive outlook. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. But you know what else I love, Ansel? What's that? What's that? Uh, it's entertainment. I, it's entertainment. How'd you know? Uh, I I just love learning so much. I do love learning so much. Party people, with our third installment of Time to Party each month, we like to share something that we learned that we looked into because of the movie or or whatever we watched. Um, something that caught our eye, something that we had questions about. You know, we we like to do a shallow dive. Not, not a deep dive. We're not like cliff jumping in Hawaii here. We're like... <laughs> We're like stepping into the kiddie pool on the porch. Uh, as as we like to refer to it, uh, we call it the the lazy river lazy of river. information. You know, there's there's no current on this. No, no, this river, just vibes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> speaking speaking of lazy rivers and vibes, I did find this lazy river. I think it's in Kentucky or Tennessee, where it's like. The tunnels are like a rave, kind of. It's like a lazy river through Space Mountain, essentially, with all the lights and shit in the tunnels. I feel okay. like that would be super trippy. I don't know if I would like it, but <laughs> it seems I, like an experience. I feel like I'd try it once. Oh, Aaron was super stoked about it. <laughs> she was like, I have to go to this place. <laughs> oh, yes. But uh, before we go booking our next vacation, let's uh, let's get into my agitainment for yeah, tomorrow. Um, I'm not going to lie. This was my first choice. I couldn't really find anything oh. else, um, you know, that that piqued my interest, mostly just because, like, the technology was all fictional. So it wasn't really sure. like, you know, oh, it. it I could see how this like exoskeleton thing may be practically used now, but it's just like the way in which it exists in the movie. It's, it's not the same as the one that we have in real life. We don't actually have like Iron Man armor. Yeah. And, and we have talked about exoskeleton <clears throat> suits before. Yeah, that too. And so like, I mean, just thinking off the top of my head now, it's just like, Oh, what was I going to do? Swords, you know, training sure. rooms. You know, um, helicopters, helicopters, uh, there's, a, uh, you know, a number of things, but the, <laughs> for some reason, my mind, uh, attached itself to playing cards, playing cards, playing uh, cards. I, okay. I did not see that coming and I'm very interested now <laughs> to hear your history on playing cards. That's yeah. Yes. Tell me everything, and and especially their edibility. <laughs> Unfortunately, there's not too many studies about the 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 delicacy that is trading cards or uh, playing cards uh, as snacks. Um, <laughs> but you know, there were those those baseball cards that had bubble gum, which you know, yeah, you know, those were those were huge before, and you should never ever ever eat those gum packets now. <laughs> 
because they're they still make them i'm pretty sure oh do they yeah i think i've seen them recently oh because all the ones that i've seen are like old and in wax paper and like kind of like you know oh yeah just broken nightmares (laughs) but um but here here is what i what i uh, have dug up about playing cards so while the exact time is disputed, it's believed the playing cards were invented in China by the Tang Dynasty in the 9th century. Uh, many of these card games involved alcohol, and uh, they were printed with instructions for, like, forfeits or, you know, whatever, um, for whoever drew them. So, yeah, big takeaway. Asians started playing cards. And they started That's them fun. as drinking games, <laughs> which I, 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 I'm just imagining the Tang Dynasty being like a frat house. William Henry Wilkinson, a British scholar, suggested that the first cards also acted as currency that doubled as both the tools of the game and the stakes that uh, they were playing for, since using real money was incon- inconvenient and also risky. Uh, so I, I think that's funny how trading card games in that way have persisted through centuries um and oh yeah and i'll i'll get into why that's even more funny for me personally uh in a second um but first it rhymes with magic cards it's close (laughs) (laughs) um so the use of playing cards after that spread to Persia, Arabia, and Egypt, with Egypt being key to spreading the cards to Europe in the 1300s. As the game made its rounds, variations uh, became popular, uh, particularly the Spanish, Italian, German, and Swiss versions of the playing cards. But the most popular and most widely used variants, even to today, is the French-suited 52 card deck Mm -hmm. um there are a few differences but it's basically the same idea um one of the main differences that you can see are in the suits so as as most people will will come to mind you know you get the the hearts the clubs the diamonds and the spades in german it's hearts bells acorns and leaves Mm mm-hmm in Spanish, Which I love, I love those. I think that's fun. Like I had never seen those until I was doing this research. I'm like, oh, that's cute. But I kind of like Spanish maybe a little bit more because it's cups, coins, clubs, and swords. Mm-hmm. I like that. The Spanish one reminds me a lot more of tarot suits. Yes, I was just going to bring that up also. Oh, well, then carry on, sir. No, no. I mean, like, that's literally all it was. Like, (laughs) the (laughs) Spanish ones were more like tarot cards. Um, But another difference um, is the size. So historically, uh, the size of playing cards uh, was dependent on whoever was printing them. But in the 19th century, uh, the size became standardized to three and a half by two and a half inches. However, today... uh, these are called wide cards or poker size cards. Um, mm. And, you know, making them wider had a couple of advantages. First of all, it was harder to cheat if the cards were bigger. Um, but oh, also. Interesting. Oh, because they can slip them in places and stuff. Yeah, okay. yeah. Right. But also if packs were unavailable of like the smaller ones, the bigger ones can be trimmed down. Um, 
And most manufacturers, while they do basically stick to this measurement, some vary within a point of an inch. Uh, The most being UK's Delarue manufacturer, who has them at 3.7 by 2.5. And the United States' Kern, which has them at 3.5 by 2.25. And these variants usually come... Uh, depending on what the cards are advertised for. I found that the standard size um, is typically advertised for poker, while the smaller ones are touted for bridge or rummy. Interesting. And so now, the way that this comes back to me is because one of the primary manufacturers of playing cards, even to this day, is Ravensburger, uh, a prolific Mm, playing card company from Germany. Uh, who also stay relevant by producing Lorcana, Disney's new trading card game, which I have now become addicted to. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. I know. It's bad. So my cousin, um, like, just randomly, he was like, hey, uh, do you want to start playing this card game? And I'm like, bro, I do not have the money to start playing anything. I don't have money for another hobby. And he's just like, no, it's okay. I bought starter decks and we can just play with those. And I'm like, well, I guess that can't really hurt anything, right? And so he taught me how to play. No, the first rule of the street, the first one's free. I know. I know. It's so bad. So like I'm playing and then my other cousin, his sister walks in and she's just like, didn't you tell him that you can't play? And I'm just like, yeah, I did. He suckered me in. So after that, I bought boosters, and <laughs> and I'm just like, oh man, I can totally alter these starter decks, and now I have two decks of my own. <laughs> and we just played yesterday. Uh, the four of us were playing, um, and we were. It was oh my god, I'm I'm all in already, and it's there terrible it because like I used to play Pokemon cards. So, like Magic, you know, it was pretty easy to pick up. Um, mm-hmm. They share a lot of things, you know, in terms of rules and gameplay and stuff. But the difference between Pokemon and Lorcana, uh, at least from when I was playing Pokemon, uh, every Lorcana card has a variant that's holographic. The common ones, sure. the uncommon ones, you know, for Pokemon, it was just like, oh, yeah, the the rare ones or up were the ones that were holographic. Well, no. Ravensburger decided Lorcana was going to be <laughs> all holographic. So the collector in me is just like, man, these assholes. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I had the, the good fortune of being at Gen Con this last year when they launched Lorcana. Mm-hmm. And uh, so my only exposure to it is everyone at Gen Con either being completely swept up in the madness of trying to get in the ridiculously long line for the Ravensburger uh, booth so they could get the Lorcana cards and people people were trolling eBay during the con to see <laughs> what cards had been because you couldn't get them anywhere else. So you mm-hmm. knew that if somebody was posting a very rare card, they had gotten it earlier that day from the place where you were. Um, 
and so it was it was all all the talk of the of uh, Gen Con either either you loved it or you were like god the Ravensburger line is so long I had to go around the con <laughs> to get to the other so, so I could get to the door yeah um similarly it was, it was similarly force. on the coast you know uh, every time Disneyland gets a restock of them sold out immediately like, like yeah it's uh I, I want to say it's ravenous, but like there have been restocks and like enough people have have had opportunity to get them. It's just, you know, I've here I am after the second wave of release and I missed out on a bunch of, you know, uh, promotional items or like limited run items. And mm-hmm. Ansel, tell me why is- I wanted to spend money on a fancy fucking box <laughs> for cards. <laughs> <laughs> like... This was MSRP uh, 50 bucks, and it essentially came with a big-ass box to put your cards in, um, deck sleeves, uh, separate boxes for your decks, and eight booster packs. For 50 bucks, that's good, right? But, like, right now, uh, I found one at a shop, and it is 150 bucks. (laughs) Oh! Yeah, and I'm like, like, I cannot go that far. I just got a regular box to put my cards in and I got generic card sleeves. <laughs> Those are uh cheap and easy to get a hold of as it turns out. Yeah, you know, uh well below $150, but it's just like why, why did I even consider this fancy fucking box with like I don't know Mickey Mouse on it? Because like, the Disney marketing machine is real. They're so good. They knew how to get me. I mean, the the card sleeves for the second wave that they released are of Sisu from uh, Raya and the Last Dragon and Mulan in her armor fighting. And I'm just like, fuck. That's dope. They look cool. (laughs) Yeah. And of course, you can only get them this one time. And there's only so many of them. Exactly. they They know what they're doing. They do. Ravensburger, you fools. (laughs) bastards um man uh well it's 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 really interesting that you chose playing cards for this one because i've actually been researching playing cards myself recently no way uh because i'm i'm writing a game that is based around uh decks of playing cards it's an rpg that uses a deck of playing cards as your character sheet wow uh uh so i'll I'll go ahead and plug my thing why not do it I produced the show. Let's let's do some cross promotion. Uh, yeah, if you check out, uh, it's called Mavericks. Uh, it's available on my itch.io store uh, in beta right now. Uh, check it out. It's a it's a game where yeah, you mark up a deck of cards to to be your character sheet, uh, and as you play, the deck will grow and change. Uh, and you can use any deck of cards. You can use a European deck. You can use an American deck with the standard four suits that we all are familiar with. You can use a tarot deck. Uh, hypothetically, you could use like random magic cards if you felt so inclined. Uh, I haven't tried it. I haven't tested that yet. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Early play tests so far have gone incredibly well. Uh, and I'm hoping to have it ready for people to see by Gen Con 2024. Wow. So yeah. So are you, are you now going to expedite your Lorcana test play? To, to see if your game works with Lorcana. There we go. Oh, that that's what I gotta do is get a deck of Lorcana 
just just so I can draw all over it and Absolutely. piss off the collectors. <laughs> yeah, they need to be pissed off more. That's totally it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is this one rare? I didn't know. It just came in the deck. <laughs> oh my god, I swear though, if you do get one of those enchanted cards and you draw all over it, I will be upset because that card is worth thousands <laughs> of dollars. <laughs> Holy what? Yeah, last time I checked, uh, the enchanted ones, which are the cards where the design goes beyond the borders you know like fills out the whole card yeah those are super super rare (laughs) i i hadn't heard about those but they look really cool (laughs) i mean yeah there's there's like two percent more art on the card that's got to (laughs) be worth money another thing that makes lorcana uh very convenient is that they have an app and rather than like Mm. tracking uh the lore which is how you win the game uh you have to get to 20 lore Rather than like writing it down or like using a counter or whatever, uh, which which they do offer, the app has a lore counter, so oh, you can use the app while playing. But in addition to that, it lets you keep track of your collection. <laughs> and oh, and I don't nice. know if you can see that number. <laughs> oh yeah, that that's how many cards. One hundred and ninety. <laughs> how many are in a deck? Uh, 60. Is it a 60 card? Yeah. Okay. But like Ansel, I, I need I need to stress this. I've played, like, I mean, like, I've played multiple games, but I've only gotten together to play with people twice. <laughs> so far. So far. And I'm already this into it. <laughs> Good it's, games do that, man. Good games do that. It's so dangerous. I, I just... I mean, if I could show you my RPG book collection... Uh, I cannot judge anybody on their game related purchases. Yeah, our our good friend Helena Handbasket was talking about uh games and learning new games recently and I'm just like, "Yep, I know that feel. I'm in that boat too." Uh-huh. <laughs> uh as much as I I know that it's very irresponsible of me <laughs> considering my position currently uh, you know, in life. <laughs> Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I mean, look at how pretty this card is. <laughs> that is very pretty. It is, is that really one you've pretty. got? No, this is one of the enchanted ones. Oh, okay. Yeah. How much is that worth on the market? Um. Oh, that's one thing their app doesn't do. They don't tell you how much they're worth. You have to go to a completely different app for that. Oh, well then. Yeah. But my God, I want this Hercules for my deck. Man, Ooh. I was I was yeah, huge. I was huge into deck building when I played Pokemon, so I think that's going to transfer over to this because I'm ridiculous. Just, just got to get a job at a comic store, and you can run their Lorcana table. Oh, don't don't even don't even think that I didn't try. <laughs> <laughs> I know the nerd dream. Oh man, working at a comic book store was great, but I'm glad that they didn't have Lorcana back then because I was already spending money on Funko Pops and comics. So right, <laughs> you didn't earn money so much as get stuff. Yeah, right. Basically, just like when I worked at uh, Box Lunch. Yeah, <laughs> I wondered about that. I was like, this seems like a dangerous place for Ben to be. Oh, absolutely! It absolutely was. Yeah. <laughs> so Ansel, what have you got for us this time? I'm so glad you asked, and we are we are running a little bit over time, so I'll try and make mine quick. 
Um, but uh, I wanted to talk about, uh, and, and I actually did have one other thing I thought about before this. I thought about um, the the little light flashlight sticks that they use for guiding uh, airplanes into the oh. right place on runways. Um, but, but I you couldn't didn't find do enough that information. Oh. I, 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 I'll be honest with you, I never did figure out what they're called. Uh, <laughs> so uh, maybe I'll save that for another one where they show up. Uh, so instead, I went with Claymore Mines. Okay. Uh, we see early on in the movie, uh, one of the soldiers straps Claymores onto his body under his mech armor. Uh, and then one of them shows up uh, in the the like key moment when Tom Cruise's character reaches over and grabs one of these Claymores, puts it in front of his chest to blow up the um, the Alpha uh, and so I thought claymores would be interesting because I honestly didn't know how they worked. Uh, I always thought claymore mines were a thing like most mines that you like sort of bury in the ground and then walk away and hope for the best or the worst, I suppose. Um, uh, but the the iconic curved shape and the way it says front towards enemy I guess never really uh, this movie brought home to me the significance of that. Something I hadn't really had to think about previously. Um, So the Claymore mine is a directional anti-personnel mine. Uh, So they're curved the way that they are so that all of the like ball bearings and whatnot that are inside shoot out towards the, the enemy combatants on the other side of the mine. And hypothetically, your and our your soldiers on on the backside of the mine don't get hurt. That's pretty reductive because there is an area behind the mine where there's the concussion is strong enough that if you're standing there, it will absolutely hurt you. But it's not throwing like shrapnel in that direction, which is the main thing. So the Claymore mine was first created in World War II, which not surprising. Uh, And it was designed by uh, a German Uh, again. Not surprising. Not surprising. (laughs) Yeah. If if you had to guess where they came from and who made them. Well, (laughs) good news. Your guesses are right. Um, It was originally supposed to be for tanks. It was an anti-tank weapon. Um, But uh, they they never got it like functional and cheap enough to get out into the field regularly. Uh, by the end of the war. Um, So then during the Korean War, uh, they kind of went back to this, or military uh, designers went back to this idea. Um, And from what I'm seeing in my very shallow dive, uh, it was in the early 50s that they finally were able to, like, create what we would recognize as Claymore Mine today, Mm -hmm. um, where it's got that, that... characteristic curve the like flat um like rectangular shape to it um and notably the the like planted in the ground and then walk away from it and detonate it situation which as it turns out is how they're designed to work you're supposed Mm -hmm. to like jam them into the ground facing the enemy there's like a sight on it which i never understood because like how are you supposed to sight this thing if you're going to like stick it in the ground and then leave. But I guess that's the idea is you just set up enough of them and Mm. then 
detonate the one that you think is facing where where you stuck it, I suppose. Um but yeah, so so Claymore, that's the that's the quick and dirty on Claymore mines. The the design scheme is that you stick them in the ground and you walk away and there's like a button and a cable and you detonate it when when your enemies get into a specific area. And uh and yeah, they they were first created in World War II and actually made it into the field in during the Korean conflict. Other than that, there's like a bunch of specifics about designs and when they first added in a layer of aluminum foil to separate the bits from the other bits. And that stuff isn't as exciting, but or interesting, I suppose. Oh, ammunition, um, uh, ammunition underwear. Yeah. Separating exactly. your bits. <laughs> separating your bits somebody's gotta so ansel um, in your research um did they explain how claymore mines are functionally better than claymore mimes i think the the big difference is that claymore mimes are specialized to scotland mm. and you can only get them from there uh kind of like champagne you know right. if, if they're not from if they're not made in scotland they're just like sparkling uh weirdos <laughs> I'm so glad you picked up on the champagne thing. <laughs> Sparkling weirdos. Oh my god, we have fun here. We, we do, do, we do. <laughs> the thing I didn't find, which I was really I was surprised it wasn't in there anywhere, is how the name came around. Yeah. Uh because like the claymore is a you know an ancient weapon that mm -hmm. is you know uh, I always associate it with my Scottish heritage sure. uh, via William Wallace, but you know claymores go further back than that, and I don't think mm -hmm. they're a Scottish invention by any stretch. Um, but there's there was no indication in any of the things I researched as to why they chose the claymore as the namesake for these anti-personnel mines. Mm. Um, I guess if you think about a claymore as being a big sword where you just sort of like swing in front of you and hit as many guys as you want, maybe that's the idea is the claymore does the same thing. It's just sort of a the claymore swath is like, of destruction. The claymore is your big swing in your artillery. Yeah, I suppose. Um, but the, yeah, the, they, the most I have to contribute to this is uh, the fun fact of... Drew McIntyre, who is a Scottish-born WWE superstar and former oh. WWE champion, uh, uses a kick that he calls a Claymore kick as his finisher, finishing oh. maneuver. Is it a big swing? Oh, yeah, because he has huge legs. So it's just <laughs> big kick straight to the head. Uh, he also comes down to the ring with uh, a Claymore sword. Like, big sword. <laughs> epic no oh, yeah sorry i don't have more to contribute to your <laughs> to your edutainment uh, that's fine honestly i was a little bit like i don't know how interested our our listeners are going to be in military technology sure especially right now yeah especially right now but it was an interesting enough history that i thought it was worthwhile and while i i want to remain sensitive to the life or the situation that we all find ourselves in. I do also think it's interesting to think about why a character like Tom Cruise's uh, William Cage. Well, no, I was thinking about his comrade in arms who carries oh, the dang thing. Right. 
why he would choose something like that. And I think it is because it is such a iconic destructive thing, you know, like claymores are, are notable for being so indiscriminate. Mm-hmm. And I think that that, that tells us a lot about the character who would choose to carry them, not just into battle, but on his person. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it, it opened up a, a, an extra line of interrogation for me to, to query why, why we would choose that. Yeah. That is interesting. So, how you, how you came to your edutainment this year or this, this mm-hmm. month, this year, <laughs> this year. That's right. New year, new year, <laughs> new year, new edutainment. well party people we hope that you enjoyed uh the the little nuggets of knowledge that we brought you you know like those little kitties who bring you know dead birds to their owners like got you a present right (laughs) these are our dead birds look 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 we got you (laughs) as we're nudging it with our noses like look this for you hey hey Hey, don't you like it? Isn't it mildly disturbing? <laughs> I know uh, Claymore mimes are very disturbing. So upsetting. So upsetting. Luckily, luckily, uh, we don't have to deal with them any longer. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the Claymore the mimes. Claymore mimes. The Claymore mimes won't hurt you. <laughs> <laughs> I almost wish that we had like a a quizzo team and (laughs) called the Claymore mimes there. It's not too late. It's, it's not, it's (laughs) (laughs) well, all right, party people. Um, You can find us on the internet. I'm at B Silverio 20 on Instagram, Twitter, blue sky and threads. And I am at indecisionist on all of the meta properties and uh, blue sky. I am also at the indecisionist on Twitter. If you are still hanging out there, yeah, right. Uh, if any place, if there's any place that Claymore mimes should dwell, it's uh, Twitter. Um, Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> you can join the conversation by using the hashtag Time to Party. That is Time the Number Two Party, or Time the Number Two Party, all spelled out. Thanks to Warwick. This has been an Indecisionist production. Special thanks to April Moralba for our podcast art and to Marlon Longid of Marlon and the Shakes for our amazing theme song. Yes. And uh, now that the month has come to an end, we hope you enjoyed our uh, our look at Edge of Tomorrow. Hopefully uh, it does not inspire you to uh, live, die, and repeat. Uh Hopefully you just do the the first thing. Just the first one. Yeah. Because that would be good. Live well. Yes. Live well, you only get one go. Absolutely. And join us again next month when we talk about a different movie. So until then, friends, uh, be excellent to each other. And party on, dudes. Yeah. Tom Cruise. For real. Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. I don't know. That's actually the lyrics to our... It's plausible that's the lyrics to our... (laughs) (laughs) Just Tom Cruise over and over again. All right. Call Marlon. We need a a version with lyrics. We need lyrics now. But it's just Tom Cruise. (laughs)